And we're working through 1 John now together. This is part seven, walking in the light. 1 John and the path to living deeply in Christ. The title this morning, the topic is learning to live in the love of God. Learning to live in the love of God. This isn't something that just happens automatically. It's not just a feeling that you get, maybe in worship or prayer, that you're feeling God's love. I'm not talking just about that when I say learning to live in the love of God. I think you'll see that in a minute. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. 1 John 2, 7 through 11. John speaks and says, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. Remember that. John starts off saying, this is old. You've had this from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. And you can see John still talking about this verbal kind of profession that doesn't line up with real life. But whoever loves his brother abides in the light. I love this phrase. And in him, there is no cause for stumbling. So this is something that will, that will keep Christians on their feet. But whoever hates his brother, even if, even if he says he's in the light, whoever hates his brother is, is in the darkness. So he's in it and walks in it. That, those are two different things and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. What a text. I think we need to pause just for a minute now and do some mental work to see how this text is linked with the verses we studied last Sunday. That was verses 4, 5, and 6. Let me just read those quickly, okay? Whoever says, this is a big theme with John, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him, truly the love of God is perfected. That's what our text today is about too. By this we may be sure, we talked about assurance last Sunday, by this we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says, there it is again, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk the same way in which he walked. So clearly, knowing God isn't just a matter of saying. It isn't just a matter of, of professing. It's not even just a matter of knowledge, a certain amount of doctrinal understanding, as important as that is. But those things alone, um, by themselves, don't always have the power to reach the fallen human heart. So whoever says he abides in him, ought to walk in the same way. It's, 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 not, it's not just the talk, it's, it's the walk that matters. So that's John's description of knowing God in, in pretty general terms. 
Holiness is important, not in some legalistic sense of earning your way to heaven, but, but because sin is destructive to my knowing and loving and living in fellowship with Father God. Now, John, in those texts, he hadn't really talked about any particular sin as being especially destructive or any particular virtue as being especially life-giving, except maybe in general terms. But he will. He will. John's just too good a teacher, too loving a pastor, to leave all this in just general terms. John knows what I'm like. He knows, he knows how easy it is for Don Horbin to agree with truth in general and resist it when it is truth in particular areas of my life and, and when truth gets confronting. My feeling towards truth can vary. So, exactly what kind of actions are so damaging to my walk with Jesus? And, and exactly what kind of obedience when he talks about walking in the light, what, what kind of obedience is Jesus looking for in my life? Maybe here's a good way to quiz yourself on it. If somebody just came to the Lord, or maybe some Christian concerned about spiritual health, wanting to, to grow in more depth, more Christ-likeness, if that kind of a person came to you and said, I want to grow in the Lord, I don't have any specific agenda. I'm pretty new at this. I just, I just want to know what's the most important thing I need to put into practice if I'm going to walk in close fellowship with Jesus. And, and you, and you, you couldn't tell him 10 things, but you had to zero in on one thing. What would you say? Now that's exactly, I think, that's exactly what we're going to see in our present text from John. We're, we're going to see this old 90-plus-year-old apostle writing to his dear children. We're going to see what's first on his agenda. I mean, he's been talking about walking in the light. He's been talking about enjoying fellowship with Jesus. He says sin has to be avoided at all cost. And he'll write about different types of sin in this letter, particularly idolatry he's going to write about. But what does he mention first? He'll talk about many different ways of serving the Lord and pleasing the Lord. But, but what does he mention first? That's, that's the subject of uh, the next five verses in our text. So point number one. Having professed my love for the Lord, the, the first commandment I must obey is the command to deeply love each and every brother and sister in the Lord. I get that in that seventh verse. Beloved, I'm writing you, it's not a new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. So, so before he gets into the specifics, John wants to be clear that he's not dishing up something brand new in our text. In other words, this isn't just some uh, 
extra spiritual insight for those who are like really advanced in the Christian life. This isn't something I should just pray about and hope that one day I might grow into this kind of love for brothers and sisters in the church I attend. No. This, says John, has always been right at the starting gate. This has always been just the bedrock foundation on which almost everything else about my relationship with God is constructed. So, so, so John is saying something like this. Don, you need to remind yourself about what kind of decision you made when you, you, you first came to Jesus and said he was Lord. You need to think that through. Because anyone who, anyone can call Jesus Lord, anyone can do that. Whoever says, I know him, verse 4, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. The, the truth is not in him. So anybody can say they know the Lord. But, but Don, if you are really following Jesus, there's something very important you need to remember. This has been right from the beginning, he says. When you signed on, when you were saved, born again, whatever terminology you want to use, when you were saved, you didn't just make a decision about Jesus. You made a decision about everyone who bears his name. And John puts it so starkly, because I, I, I don't always think that through especially if someone has upset me, wronged me, hurt me in some way, trampled on my rights. So, so John says, when I came to Jesus, I made the decision that I would always extend the same kind of heartfelt grace and genuine affection to everyone who names the name of Jesus. I would extend the same as I received from Jesus. If he's my Lord, then they're my family. You can't take just one without the other. And so John says, Don, this is old stuff. This is, this is the way it's always been. There have never been any exceptions to that kind of conversion. It's really... The same point Jesus was making. You know these familiar words, Matthew 22, 37 to 40, where someone came to Jesus and just said, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus' answer is kind of significant. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So commandment number one. And the second, nobody asked him about the second. The second is like it. it it's, it's of the same family, the same nature. It, it goes with it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. Don't, don't, don't blank out that last phrase. It has everything to do with Jesus' main idea. Everything in the law, everything the prophets wrote about, that's, that's the whole of Jesus' scripture 
of his day. Everything God had revealed about knowing him and serving him and loving him, it all depended on those two commandments. And so, so I, I need to see what Jesus is saying. If I'm going to please God at all, and if I'm going to know God at all, it kind of depends on how well I understand that these two commandments are, are really only two in a list, but you can't separate them in reality. Jesus is saying the same thing John says in our text. Any, anybody... Anybody can claim, can say they love God. I mean, just think about it. how many, how many, how many courses, how many worship songs. Now your, your church is probably like ours and we're not meeting on Sunday right now, but when we did, how, how many, how many minutes do we spend in every service sort of serenading God with these love songs about how much we love Him? But how do I know if I really do? I'm, there I am. I'm worshiping. I'm telling Jesus how much he means to me and how much I love him. How, how, how do I know if I really do? How do I prove love for God? How is it measured? That seems to be a really relevant question for all of the proclaiming we do of our love for God because John says anybody can say that. And... Why is my, why is my love for you the measuring stick of my love for God? Well, here's why. Both John and Jesus know how, how easy it is to say we love God, to, to word love God. And that's because you, you can't see into my heart. I mean, you don't really know what's going on in my head, what's going on in my heart. It's very easy to, to proclaim my love for God. It's pretty easy because, well, because he's invisible. And if he's invisible, so, so is my love for him kind of invisible. I mean, I have no verbal communications with God that you get to listen in on very often. Who, who can challenge my love for an invisible God from my invisible heart? Sometimes I can even fool myself about how much I love God. Well, then comes John with this heart-searching text. In marches John with the evidence. Here's what he says. Don't take my word for it. He says, my invisible Love for God must leave visible tracks. Here's where he says it. 4, 20 and 21. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. He's a liar when he, when he says he loves God. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God, I think he means, if that's what you're going to say, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So remember our opening question. Let me just review it. What is the first 
thing a person needs to know. Remember I said if someone came to you and you could only tell them one thing, okay? What is the first thing a person needs to know about loving God and becoming more and more like him? Well, John says the first point is really clear. How can you say it so it's rememberable? I I really, in spite of my words, I love God no more than I love the person I dislike the most. Point number two. John says, while this is the old commandment, he says this is right from the beginning, but he also says there's something new about the old command to love my brother and sister in Christ. I see that in the eighth verse. At the same time, this is right after he said it's an old command. It's a, it's a new commandment that I'm writing you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. That true light, he's talking about Jesus, the light coming into the world. He spent quite a bit of time. That's what he's talking about there. So to see what's new about this command, I want you to come back with me maybe to a small, dimly lit room where John was present with Jesus years before he wrote these words in our text. It was as Jesus was facing his own execution and Jesus took a towel and he washed his disciples' feet in John chapter 13. And then he has a question for them. John is there. This is John 13. You don't need to look this one up, but it's around verse 4. He laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. When he had washed their feet, put on his outer garments, resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done for you? It's a good question. You call me teacher and Lord, this is what you say. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. 16, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them, down to 33 of John 13. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. And here are the word. Here are the money words. 34. A new commandment. So think about our text in 1 John. He starts off saying it's old. And then he says, but it's, but it's new in Jesus. It's a new commandment. That's what John says in our text. Here's where he got that idea. John's gospel, 1334. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. So also you ought to love one another. By this will all people know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. Now, it's, it's, it, 
I risk getting on a sidetrack here, but this is new. We're, we don't live under, we don't live under uh, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. What we live under now is this new commandment. It's different now. It's not, it's not uh, love your neighbor as yourself. There's something deeper than that now. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. It's deeper. So it's, it's new. Like all of us, John thought he knew about love until he met Jesus. I mean, we, we know what love means to us. We think about love for our children or love for our husbands or love for our wives or love for our parents love for our dear friends and companions. But, but John found out the command to love, it, it really can't be understood fully until you come with Jesus to the cross. There's a, there's a newness of it in Jesus. Those two commandments, great commandment, second greatest, they're, they're replaced with something new, something different, and you can't see what it is until you come to the cross. So that's what Jesus was getting them ready for when he washed their feet in that upper room the night he was going to be executed. And when we come to the cross of Jesus, here's what we see that's new. We see a love for people who betray. We see a love for people who despise. We see a love for people who slander. We see a love for people that, that they spat on Jesus. So, so we get to observe a love for people who reject everything we say, who reject everything we believe in, who rebel against everything we do. So that's, it's new now, Jesus says. On the cross, we see a love that, that Peter says wouldn't even speak back in a harsh tone when nails were being driven through his hand. 1 Peter 2, 22 to 24, he, that's Jesus, committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So no wonder. Now you start to see. No wonder John's gospel, chapter 13, when Jesus talks about his love for them, the kind of new commandment, no wonder he says, 12, verse 12, do, do, do you understand this? Have you thought about this? And I'm so quick to say, yes, Jesus, I understand. You died for my sins. Thank you. I'm forgiven. But it's not just that. John 13, 15. I've given you, it's not just redemption. I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Now, obviously, there's a sense in which I can't do that. We can't die for each other's sins. We can't redeem. Only Jesus did that. So, so 
how is what Jesus did for me an example? What, what do Peter and John say that I must exemplify in his love? Well, this, this. I am frequently called to bear the burden and pain, the cost of other people's wrong actions against me. I am called to carry them in my own person without any attempt of revenge or getting even or settling the score. And, and the love command in our text in 1 John, it's new because it's been expanded and deepened in the embrace of Jesus Christ. You see, it's humbling to think this through. When he took my wicked heart into his embrace, he filled it with forgiving grace, but not only forgiving grace for my sins, but through me, forgiving grace for your sins against me. So the only kind of love I've received from Jesus is love that is undeserved. That's the only kind of love I ever get from Jesus. And that's the kind of love the Holy Spirit wants to shed abroad in my heart. That's the new commandment about love. And so Jesus says again, Don, do you really understand this? Well, no, Lord, not very well at all. But I am learning why this law of love is, it's ever new. John says it's old, it's from the beginning, but it's new at the same time. It's, it's, it's new because I never learn it once and for all. I mean, there are constantly situations that call me to show this again and again and to and they reveal how little i know about this kind of love the demands of of this kind of love they're infinite they're unending it will take constant effort to live like this right up to the day jesus returns i can never forget about it it's not some doctrine i can just tuck away in the back of my mind and say there i'm orthodox after all no no, I'm, I, you, we're constantly pressed into situations with people where we have to plead for the Holy Spirit's help. Let this new commandment be fulfilled in my life. Okay, we're almost done. Point number three. Drop my pen. Point number three. Love brings your whole life into the light of God's presence. Now, if everything I've been talking about just seems demanding, John tucks a special blessing in here as well. Because if, if living this new command is that demanding, that humbling, what are we going to do? Why, why make the effort? I know I can't do this as well as I would like. But what happens when I swallow my pride prayerfully, relying on the Holy Spirit? I, I just, I step out into this new commandment. What happens? That's what I want to look at. Verses 9 through 11. Whoever says he is in the light, but hates his brother, well, he's still in the darkness. 
You, you figure out what that means. Whoever loves his brother, so here's the new commandment. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. Now here's what I want to look. In him, there is no cause for stumbling. What a phrase. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness. This is different. Walks in the darkness. Do you see the contrast between these two things? Does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. We all tend to say we are still walking in the light. That is walking with Jesus as Lord of our lives, even when we're at odds with our brother. That's a problem. We try not to call that feeling of againstness with our brother or sister. We, we try not to call it sinful. We like to, we like to say we're still walking with Jesus. So that's what those verses are all about. But they say even more. I had always seen, you too probably, I had always seen that John calls love for my brother the evidence of my relationship with God. By this will all people know you're my disciple. So I'd always understood that. I get it. And hatred for a brother, it reveals that I'm still walking in the darkness and I'm out of fellowship with God. I get that. But what John says is, it's this hatred, when I don't love as Jesus loves, this sense of againstness with a brother or sister that I carry around, it isn't, it isn't just something that contributes to the darkness. It, it, John says it causes me to stumble. Because he says, he says, whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. I think the important word is that little word cause. There's no cause for stumbling. That's really profound. Love for my brother. John's not talking about love for God here, not directly. But love for my brother keeps me from stumbling. But that also means if I don't love my brother and love him in deed and truth, not just in word, if I don't love him as much and in the same way that God loved me in Christ Jesus, he says this will be a cause for my stumbling, my spiritual stumbling in all sorts of areas that I don't even relate to that relationship with my brother, in, in things that I couldn't even see as being affected by my relationship with my brother. Pay close attention to what John is saying there. That's why I said at the beginning, if someone said just one thing that I need to keep right in my life to grow in Christ, what would you say? Well, pay attention to what John is saying here. He, he's writing to people who can't figure out why they can't get things spiritually organized in their lives. He's writing to people, and maybe there are people listening now, who, who just can't seem to get their Christian life working 
where it feels authentic. Maybe there's people listening right now who you just can't find a handle on your walk with the Lord. It just feels unreal. You can't seem to make the right decisions. They constantly fall into the same sins over and over again and then repent of them and then do them again and again. Well, that's what stumbling is, right? It's it's falling down repeatedly. And then people get agitated on the inside. And then you have to sort of argue with yourselves to prove you're righteous. Feeling like you're always in trouble with your own soul. Well, when that happens, John says, there's an area to look to first. You know, in in my whole life, I don't think I've ever heard more than a small handful of Christians just admit to me. That's right. I just plain, flat out hate brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. And I think John knows that I, I probably would never admit that, not even to myself. And that's why both John and Jesus, they start with the other end of the stick, Do you love everyone in the church? And by that, they mean, do you treat them with exactly the same grace and kindness that you receive ongoingly from Jesus? Is that how you walk and live your life? Because, Dawn, that will keep you from stumbling in a host of areas of your life. So if that law seems demanding... Right now, it may be because you're the one who's been angered or mistreated or betrayed. And John reminds you that this law is the only one that has the power to keep you from stumbling in other areas as well. That's why James calls this the law that gives freedom. Here's how it works. I'll close with this story. When I was a kid... And my dad pastored in Prince George, British Columbia. And he worked, he got up every morning and did a little devotional at the radio station, the local radio station in Prince George, British Columbia. Got to know the people at the station. One day, came home with an incredible treasure. It was an old record. Yeah, a record. Of old fairy tales that no one today would even listen to. But we had, at that time, there was no television. And our imaginations were better than any video game. And we quite literally just wore out that record to nothing but a bunch of scratches. And I can remember the telling of Jack and the Beanstalk and Rumpelstiltskin Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Remember, we were just tiny little kids. And Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And a host of others with sound effects in the background. And among them was a story that probably would have been more appreciated by four girls than four boys. But we listened through it to get to the other really good stories. Now is the tale of Beauty and the Beast. 
And the beast was this foul, ugly creature who shouldn't expect love from anyone, let alone someone really beautiful. But beauty loves the beast anyway. Beauty doesn't love the beast because he is beautiful. In loving the beast, he becomes beautiful. Back to the Apostle John. Gospel love isn't a fairy tale. It has incredible power. It frees, it unleashes the power of the kingdom of God into lives of all who share it. It keeps people from stumbling in the giving and in the receiving. Both in its giving and receiving, it it beautifies all that it touches because it isn't magic. It's not a spell. It carries the power of the Holy Spirit in it. It's God. And it's the only force in the world that can take people like we, sinful, fallen, weak people, and make us beautiful in the eyes of God. It's a new commandment. It's a new commandment. Love people the way Jesus loved you. God give us the strength. God give us the strength to put that into power in our lives. It'll keep us from stumbling. And I hope everyone does say, Amen, Pastor Don. Let's pray. It's a great text. Your word, let it, let it, though no one is here personally right now, let your Holy Spirit take divine truth and sow it into beings that aren't in this room right now, but who watch. Let our hearts be transformed by the power of the love of Christ, received and expressed the new commandment that gives freedom and keeps us from stumbling. Bless you of your community church. We love you with all of our hearts. Keep us all safe, patient, devoted to Jesus with all of our hearts. In your name I pray and I thank you. Amen. Amen. Join us tonight, 6.30, for Soul Food. We're going to be studying how to, how to hear God's Word in a transforming way. Not everyone who reads the Word and hears the Word is changed by the Word. The parable of the soils. That's the point Jesus is making. How can I prepare my heart so that hearing the Word brings an abundance of fruitfulness that I can see shaping my life? That's what we'll be studying tonight at 6.30. Join us. God bless you, church. Love one another.